Thanks for listening to the Blackout Diaries. This is Sean Bear Flannery. This week's guest is Connor Cawley, who is recording his debut album in Chicago this weekend at the Joinery. So any of you listening in Chicago, please look into that. There are still some tickets remaining. We also wanted to apologize for missing the last few weeks of episodes. CJ and my own kids have been battling various bugs, so we weren't able to record and meet as often, but we should be back to a weekly schedule. Thanks for listening, and here's today's episode. So I say, I look up, I'm being led down this alley, I look up at the Mexican federal because he's very tall and I'm very young, and I just say to him, how much to make this go away? (laughs) And he responded with the quickness of somebody that had been waiting to be bribed all day. (laughs) And he goes... $60. (laughs) Maybe you guys didn't hear me. Maybe you guys didn't hear. $60. An eighth of weed for kids in the suburbs. $60. Will unarrest me from Tijuana, Mexico. To the Blackout Diaries, the show where stand-up comics plus everyday people tell true drinking stories. I'm your host, Sean Bear Flannery. And I'm CJ Sullivan. Each week here on the Blackout Diaries, we have a different theme when it comes to the debauchery and drinking of that world. And today is bribery and bribes, (laughs) drunk bribes, shady bribes, and with a touch of Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. I mean, that's everyone's uh, kind of first experience. Uh, most Americans' first experience with bribery is in Mexico. We have a hilarious yeah. comic, uh, Connor Cawley, who's going to tell a long story, a great story about that. And uh, they kind of warn you when you are going down there to party. Like if you're a college-age student, they're like, you know, uh, pay the bribe. You know, they're, right. you're good. There's... If you get in trouble, you're, they're going to ask for a bribe and you need yeah. to pay it. It's just a system. And Mexico, uh, I think, is the, found, is, is the king of... Uh, the shady bribe Chicago very well known for it but I yes. think uh, so it's, it's a good counterculture of mm-hmm. it when I went to Mexico a couple of years ago I had to pay a bribe just to get through uh, TSA there or whatever you know mm-hmm. inspections you know they checked my bag it's just all about different like you know lanes you go in <laughs> and they found the ad they found I had some like edibles or something I brought you know Okay. Down there, and uh, it's it's almost like, uh, like I don't even think it's illegal there. Yeah. Obviously, no, I mean nothing's when I mean, you want to talk about legal, le- illegal. What's mm-hmm. actually on the books, you know? <laughs> but it's it's kind of like a movie theater. They don't want you bringing in your own food, you know. They want you to <laughs> <laughs> you got to buy that while you're here, you know. So uh, they found edibles. Like, I'm like, it's medicine. Like, what? Well, well, we know it. What doesn't matter? Just go to that room there. So they go. They send me to the room, and there's a room, and it looked it was just a straight up bribing room. And I'm like, okay. Uh, 
they took like a Xerox of my like my passport to make it sound like official. But are there any uh-huh. papers I got to fill out? Like, there's no papers. Just give us <laughs> just give us two hundred dollars. Like two hundred dollars. I'm like, hey, I got a hundred. All right, we'll take the hundred. You know, then here's your passport. And that's <laughs> that's the way it was. And, and, but it's just so open. It's so standard. And the one guy was just like, yeah, no, this is this is what happens. Like mm-hmm. this is like there's no there's no filling out anything. We don't bring you anywhere. You know that. You know you got to make you know you. Like what if I make? What if I don't pay? Like ah, oh, you don't. You don't want to do that. He's just telling me like <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah. Like, right. like I gotta arrest you, and you're in a Mexico yeah. prison now. You right. know. I mean, nobody wants that. Trust me. <laughs> I got a day. I got a day ahead of me. <laughs> so things. I remember. Um, I think I mentioned him one time before, but uh, uh, my buddy who was in an, um, out of jail with his podcast, he tells he tells stories now. About his like drug dealer days, and he was like down in Mexico or whatever, and like he had to pay like this is like big time payoff. Like he paid uh-huh. off like you know the cops down there just to get him like safe transportation, or whatever. And then okay. like, to pay off the cartel and the or then the cartel, he had to pay them off to pay off the Mexican cops or whatever. And then eventually this other cop arrested him. Like, well, I just paid off guys, and they're like, ah, hey, you didn't get to me yet, you know. Like, <laughs> and they go back to the cartel and they're like, what am I paying you for? Because I know that's just the way the system is. And then they jump up. He's like they jump around and then there's a week. He's like, I don't know, I forgot that guy. There's something. He's, he's like, he's a totally different uh, customer over there. He works nights. Yeah, like like yeah. It's a, he's on a different payroll system. We got two Ex- pieces of software that we right. run all our corruption from, and they're they're supposed to synchronize. They never do. Yeah, exactly right. I always like oh. the person who um, doesn't get how different some of these places are, and like you'll hear mm-hmm. stories about like you know somebody like asking for a bribe, and she'll be like, no. Or he or she, like, no, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll go to the embassy. I don't, you know, right. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'll see this through. But they always, <laughs> by some friend, get talked out of it. Like, like I do love that. That they, because I've never met anyone that's mm-hmm. actually seen it all the way through. I've talked to a couple of people who are like, I told them I wasn't going to pay, and I told right. them, you, you know, I know where the U.S. embassy is and all that. And I'm like, well, what happened? Three hours later, I, I paid them. <laughs> like, when it was right. made very they clear, you know. I wasn't going to win this. <laughs> Um, well, of course, Chicago. We say, of course, they, is it, what they say. It's the windy city because of all mm-hmm. the gossiping and political like thoughts. I I disagree. I, I I believe it's both could be true. It could be uh, oh the actual uh, wind too. Yeah, yeah. I think the wind. I think the wind's pretty strong there yeah. as well. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> the reason why it worked as a as a as a name. Uh-huh. But they, of course, have um, amazing bribe. I feel I feel like that's how every liquor license and sign and even like advertising signs is all through. Oh yeah, backroom and, like, deals and everything. Yeah. Well, their their liquor industry is notoriously uh, corrupt. Actually, just you know, speaking of bribes, they one time in this like when I tell this story, you're gonna think it happened in the 1800s. I think this mm-hmm. happened in 1998. All right, so this is like <laughs> mo- modestly modern. You, you know what right. I mean? Like news media was aware of everything, but um, they <laughs> they changed the law where any family can donate unlimited amounts of money to all Illinois uh, representatives. So uh, the Wirtz family, which uh, uh, like owns the biggest liquor distribution yeah. network, and to this day, Chicago, they own the Blackhawks. Um, right, yeah. Like, yeah. Like they're a um, very powerful family. They donated so much money to all the Illinois legislators, and then they basically, the Illinois legislators are like, well, I mean, what do you want in return? And he's like, I, you know, I'd love 
for me to be the only place that sells liquor in the whole state. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you name it. And they wrote this law. It's, it's I think it was called like the Illinois Fair Price Act. Like they, I, I always right. love how they name they, like go in the complete laws. opposite direction with the names. It's always the opposite of what they're doing. Um, and it is it was so corrupt. It was like overturned by the Supreme Court immediately. Uh, it like decimated bar and um, liquor industry in Chicago. And it is so corrupt that it is actually taught in a lot of colleges as an example of why we need campaign finance uh, laws. <laughs> Pro cover before but all that. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my God! The wine. You talk about the. This is hilarious. It's called the Wine and Spirits Fair Dealing Act, <laughs> also known as the Works Law. <laughs> You're right. Passed in 1999 and prevented distilleries and wineries from changing distributors, charging, changing distributors without just cause. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Like, you could just be incompetent and, like, they're not allowed mm-hmm. to leave you. You know, like, that's not a just cause. The I unofficial mean, Wirtz law name comes from the fact that the Wirtz Corporation, uh, Bill Wirtz, uh, donated over 700,000 Illinois state legislators. Editors at the time decided to create the, the law as cor- a corrupt document. <laughs> that's <just> a great <laughs> quote. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. And it's very Chicago. Uh, we'll get into later, like some of the history of Chicago bribing. Like, uh, you know, I read the the Mike Ryko book on Daily, um, mm-hmm. American Monarch. But uh, he talks about and I'm sure this is probable in Mexico today, but he talks about how um Chicago cops, like their salary on paper was just a small fraction of what they were actually making yeah, during sure. the original Daly administration. And the rest was just payoffs, you know, you know, throughout the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, man. So that's a, we should have a good. That's, that's a good old versus from back on our business locker room days. Mexico versus Chicago. Who does who I, does corrupt bribing better? I was amazed. <laughs> When we didn't get the Olympics, remember, because you were living yeah. in Chicago at that time. Right, yeah, Daily, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. The second Daily wanted the Olympics, and I was like, uh-huh. "It's in the back. There, there's no <laughs> way any city can out. Cor- I mean, this is right. cor- corruption meeting corruption. There's no like we know how to do a leather yeah. bag. It's you, kind you know, of embarrassing. Bag. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you see town. Especially when you see cities like Qatar, you know, because yeah. they came up. People were like, "How did they get? Like, how do you think they got it? Like, that's how things are gotten." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You think they wanted to go to a strict Muslim country that doesn't right. allow beer or swearing? <laughs> they gave them a billion dollars yeah. in unmarked bills, right. and that's how they got it. And they also said, "We can displace half our." I think that's actually how they mostly win it. Yeah, is, is Chicago's like, listen, how we can go you, higher how money. How bad are you? Human rights. Yeah, exactly. The, like, listen, like Chicago. We love the financials right. that you're proposing here. We love it. The problem yeah. is you got too many people living by the lake that we need unhoused in you know about right. three months, and like we're like you know I I can double the money, but I can't <laughs> just yeah, burn that's... houses down. <laughs> Whereas some oh, of these yeah. other places are, we can do both over here. Right. You know, d- don't forget about us. Los Angeles, because we have the Olympics coming up here soon mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. I think it's in 2028 or something like that. And uh, they're they're hilarious because they're like they paid money, obviously, and then they're, but they're like, listen, we are we are equipped for this. We move people around all the time. Yes. 
like they are. They're, they're out in the streets, but we, we have our city neighbor. doesn't have a mailing address. We know what we're doing here. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we can move anything. <laughs> right, we just push them down the road. You tell us, you tell us where you want them. We'll put them there for all for, for those four months, and we'll lock them up. They just literally just shove them down. Um, real quickly before uh, we get to Cotter's story, yeah, you know, I always love uh, another. You know, I'm from another city of great corruption, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, and Cleveland, Ohio tried to get the Olympics in the 1920s, which I've always loved. They built Municipal Stadium as part of it, mm-hmm. and I always say, like, I think that's the height of American optimism. Like, not when we thought we could put a man on the moon, but when Cleveland. Yeah. Thought it could buy its way into the Olympics. <laughs> it was it was the only bid that was ever summer or winter. They're like, we can do either. You, you know, whatever. Either, you one. <laughs> either one. That's hilarious. <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> it's a, it's like you're yeah selling your town to move. We have every we have all seasons here. We have great. Yeah. Bobsled? We're willing to try it. Sure, yeah. we'll build a we'll build a trail. We've got a system of viaducts with uh, hills that we could you know incorporate. But uh, Cleveland has always been been super corrupt. And when I was growing up, like right after I left uh, for Chicago, the entire city council was arrested at a meeting by the FBI. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> Cleveland had to make a plea deal. Like I didn't even know cities can make a plea deal. Like like the right. city of Cleveland ple- like made a deal with the Justice Department where we changed our structure of government from a city council that essentially had like what Chicago calls aldermen. Like we had all uh-huh. these people who had their own little fiefdoms and it said that led to too much corruption. So that yeah. instead we're going to install a board of elected members within a year. Every member of that board was arrested. <laughs> and then the justice department's like, okay, just do what you want. <laughs> That's amazing. A city pleading out though too. I do. <laughs> Cleveland strikes a deal <laughs> to keep itself out of jail. <laughs> Cleveland's always doing that. Like it's the one city that's always reaching. Like the EPA was created. Like like we had to strike a deal because our river kept caught on fire. I love the city. The city of Cleveland's like. Man, this motherfucker, they're always dragging me into court. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to keep it real here. <laughs> I'm working on his nine to five. <laughs> man, yeah, man, now what is it? They're always on my back here. <laughs> I don't know, something about acid rain? I, I didn't hear. <laughs> Denver one time, I think, tried, I think they they were given the 76 like, Olympics or something weird story. Mm-hmm. And then they, because they, they, but they, Promised more than they could do. Obviously, it was like a couple of guys. I think we, I think, I think we get this. People don't even check <laughs> like these Winter Olympics. They, they're saying like all these stadiums, and, and then it came closer to the time. Like, well, you're not going to have any of this. <laughs> so they, they literally just like took it away from. Them. Like, ah, we tried. People, we were hot That's for a hilarious. while. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they took it away. I love being the Olympic rep sent out to see there. Right. You know, for an update. Yeah. <laughs> you just see barren fields, and you got to call. Like, hey, no, we got a real problem over here in Denver. They haven't built a fucking thing. Also, by the way, I don't know if we did any research. They're like 8,000 feet in the air. Like, like these times are going to suck. You can't shot put up here. Right. The logistics are impossible. (laughs) That's hilarious. I've never heard that story. That's great. Well, yeah, we, CJ, you and I are both lovers of corruption. Just the brazenness of it. It usually goes hand in hand with lying. Um, so I loved this story uh, by Connor here. Did you get a chance to listen to it? I did, yeah. Great story. Yeah. It goes to New Mexico, bribery, a lot of stuff involved. And um, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it. Hilarious comedian, 
Connor Cauley. Two white guys just messing up a fist bump. Love to see it. Um, it's a t- do you guys is, make, your, make some noise if you are a person who blacks out? Sean clapping the loudest. Yeah, we thought maybe that was the case. This isn't helping, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, 10 p.m. show, that'll be great. Who clapped? Somebody else clapped? Somebody, you guys, I... It's it's yeah, it's a, no, no, like, really, no, like, brown out, no, I'm talking, that's this important to the story, because I'm like a, I'm a blacker outer, like, out, lo- losing hours, out, like, it happened, and it's because it happens, like, I dra- I was like, just like, Laura, I was like drinking when I was like 14, I had just been drinking for a long time, I don't even, I'm not gonna remember tonight, no, I'm kidding, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I'm a black, like, it, like, if, like, if someone was gonna roofie me, it'd be easier to just wait, like, <laughs> I'll be drinking enough <laughs> to get the, to forget tonight all on my own. You don't need to spend any money. Um, so in that vein, this is a story about a time that I got arrested in Tijuana, Mexico. We're going to start coming out of the blackout. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm going to be at the bar. I'm <laughs> If it goes exact, uh, so I can do this. This story perfectly lends itself to flashbacks. So if I don't get the light when I think I do, we can totally flash back to the to the to that part. It's a blackout story. I barely remember this as it is. This is um, this could have been a dream, honestly. <laughs> but so I was. I come out of this blackout. I'm in Tijuana, Mexico, and uh, I am being led down an alley that I've obviously never seen before by a Mexican federale, and he has his two fingers in the back of my belt loop. You guys got real nervous for just a second. <laughs> not belt loop, we're fine. They didn't have handcuffs. I, it, like, the plan was for him, for me to not run away, and it fucking worked gangbusters. I think we're wasting a lot of money on handcuffs in this country. <laughs> like, this, was, this worked very well. So he's just like leading me away, and I, I, I literally come out of a blackout, and I'm like, whoa, this is not good. And I kind of think I'm in America for a second, and I'm like, I'm like totally fucked. And then I remember that I'm in Mexico, and I'm like, I might not be super fucked. <laughs> because I, a lot of people tell me a lot of advice about going to Mexico. And so I decided to say this just because I'd heard it in movies. And like that, I said it exactly how you'd say it in movies. And I had heard this advice from other people that when I was going to Mexico. So I say, I look up, I'm being led down this alley. I look up at the Mexican federal because he's very tall and I'm very young. And I just say to him, how much to make this go away? And he responded with the quickness of somebody that had been waiting to be bribed all day. <laughs> and he goes, $60. $60. Maybe you guys didn't hear me. Maybe you guys didn't hear. $60. An eighth of weed for kids in the suburbs. $60. Will unarrest me from Tijuana, Mexico. What a deal! I, <laughs> this is gangbusters. This is some Black Friday shit. So I'm like jackpot. I came to Mexico with $120 cash for this exact reason. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Drinks aren't very expensive. You don't come with that unless you think that maybe there's a chance you're going to need to bribe your way out of something or another. And I'm like pumped, but I blacked out. I had lost hours. I look at my wallet, barren. Nothing in it. Literally nothing in my wallet except for my ID. Nothing. And so he takes me to an ATM, and I realize that I don't, I, I'm like, oh, can I go to an ATM? It's like not forgetting that I've left my debit card in America be- so I don't get extorted. And I realize I just have my ID, and I just start 
putting my ID <laughs> into the ATM machine. Because, like, in my head, I think for some reason that, like, if he thinks I'm trying really hard, he'll just not need the bribe. <laughs> I was very naive. So I'm putting the, the debit card, or the, sorry, the ID into the ATM machine and just doing it for, like, a minute. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> this happened though. <laughs> Any minute. And eventually, after like, it was probably two minutes <laughs> of me trying. He just goes, I don't think that's going to work. And I'm like, this has worked a thousand times. There's no way this doesn't work. There must be something wrong with your ATM. So then he takes my ID from me. And he starts putting it in the ATM machine. That <laughs> was bad. It was awesome. It was my favorite. I was like, oh, I'm very convincing. This is perfect. So I don't. So I. So he doesn't let me go. Darn it! I was so close. He doesn't let me go. Uh, so I say, like, the the only way you're getting this sixty dollars <laughs> is if you let me go into the club. All my friends are here. I have. I came with literally like. 40 friends, this is freshman year of college, I have 40 friends, only time in my life I've had a fraction of that many friends. Uh, I'm here with so many people that would definitely give me $60 to not have me rot in a Tijuana prison. Just let me go in the club and I'll do that. And he says, absolutely, go ahead, I want my $60. I know what you look like, you're very distinctive. Uh, <laughs> go inside and get your friends. And I was like, perfect. You can hang on to my ID so you know I'll come back. And at that moment, I really believed that. I was like, I'm coming back to this dude. I'm going to give him the $60. I'm, I'm determined to get this dude his $60 because he's got my ID. And then I get to the front door of the club, and they're like, we need your ID to get in. I was like, you're right. And went back. And as soon as he handed I told him this. Of course, he knows. He's a police officer. He knows how IDs work. I just get the ID from him to go in, and the second the ID touches my hands, I'm like, I'm never gonna see this motherfucker again for the rest of my life. I'm gonna make a run for it so hard. So I get into the club, I get into the club, and I look around, and none of the 40 people that I came with are there. I don't recognize anybody, and I was pretty drunk, but I didn't think, and again, I blacked out. I lost hours, I didn't know what happened. It was 3.30 in the morning. Everyone left an hour and a half ago. Nobody I know is there. So I just start walking around the bar looking for white people that are probably going back to San Diego at some point so I can blend in with them. <laughs> and so, and being a genius, I had like a butt, I had a shirt like this, I had a shirt like this on and a shirt underneath. And so I'm like, I'm not, I'm just gonna take my shirt off, and put it in my pocket, and they're not gonna recognize me. <laughs> I, at the time, I, you wouldn't believe this because I have none of it now, but at the time I had literally uh, 13 inches of long black hair that went down to my shoulders. Like, yeah, that's the hair. The shirt. I'll show you a picture after when I tell you the beginning of this story. I got evidence. I don't have to. I showed it in the slideshow with one picture like, look, it existed. I wasn't born like this. Well, I was, but then it came out and then it went away. It's, <laughs> that's how it works. But so I, so I didn't know what to do, so I got with this group, I met the drunkest guys I've ever met, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to just blend in with you guys, I'm just gonna go with you guys to your cab, and we're gonna drive together to San Diego, and I'm just gonna blend in with you guys, and it's gonna be totally cool. So we get out, walk out to the club, and we're just walking, and I see the cab, I see freedom, it's right there, and as we're walking, I'm in the middle of the group, I'm being so fucking strategic, like you guys wouldn't believe, I'm like, I don't even know where the cops are, I'm 
my hand is on the cab door, and I hear, that's him right there, get him. <laughs> they rush, I hear pitter-patter behind me, and then they get, they tackle, they tackle the guy that I asked the ride for into the cab, and I'm like, oh! So I'm, I, the door's open, and I hear from the back, not him, the other one! Like, no! <laughs> A roller coaster of emotions, up and down. So they, they, uh, they roughed me up in the Senor Frogs parking lot in Tijuana, Mexico. Look it up, it's right next to the club. I broke a side mirror off someone's door. They didn't give a shit about that. Uh, and then the original arresting officer, there's four of them now, I think. Again, I was black out. There could have been one. Uh, but he, he just like pushes me up against this car. He reaches into my pocket. He takes my phone out. And he like gives me the sternest look. He flips it open. He goes, who do I have to call to get this $60? <laughs> and I didn't know. I kind of thought through. I came uh, with a date. I called the date that I originally came to this whole thing with. And uh, she was still on the bus home, stuck at the border. And she started crying on the bus, made a huge scene. So I just hung up, like, you're not going to help. <laughs> this, is, this is your problem now. We're gonna, you're not getting me out of Mexico. Let's go back to. So I call a friend of mine. I call. I call a friend of mine who was at the club earlier and got punched in the face so bad that the in he looked like Two-Faced. The entire left side of his face was bloody from accidentally hitting on the club owner's girlfriend on the dance floor. And this bouncer came over and just, boom, popped him the fuck out. So he's also, he's already, uh, he's driving that, or, or a, friend of him, a friend of ours is driving his car back, and the reason I call him is because I know he has a car. He turns around, he's already into San Diego, turns around back into the border to come back to get me, because with the five of them in his car, in his tiny little Scion, they have $60 between them. So they get there, it takes an hour to get there because they go through the border. Border patrol in 2007 was not any better than it is now. It, was, it took a long time to get in and out. They are struggling to get it. They eventually get there after an hour. Why? I'm waiting, by the way. I'm waiting with these four cops who now, like, now that I've kind of succumbed, like, I'm handcuffed. I'm just like, all right, I'm whatever. I'm just hanging out. I've succumbed to, like, I'm getting you the $60. I promise. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not running. So they're like, we're friends now. And they're showing me. Remember those T-Mobile sidekicks? Those, like, little, the, the guy, the, like, the sideways screens, like, the, right before smartphones. They were showing me porn on it. They were just like, it was like three of them, and they were just like, we were sitting on the roof of the car, the window that we broke, we were just sitting on the trunk of it, and they're just like showing me porn. And I'm like, oh, see? Like, see? Yeah. <laughs> so they get there. So an hour later, my friends show up with the $60. They come out, and they give me, they give the $60. We go back, we go back to America. So, how much time do I got, Sean? Okay, we can do a quick we can do a quick one for you guys. The reason that we went on this street, so this was in 2007. I went to school at the University of San Diego. There was this guy, it was like a very like business manager guy that would like rent these buses and have uh, have them and like had a deal with the club would rent these buses for these college nights and just have them meet you at the parking lot across the street from school. So like everyone thought it was a school sanctioned thing to just bus a bunch of 18 year olds into Tijuana to go to these college clubs. Because you're 18, you can actually go to the drinks. So we were just like, yeah, this is fine. This is a normal thing. This is in 2007. I don't know if you guys know World Affairs or stuff like that. In 2008, early 2008, late 2007, El Chapo was arrested. And Mexico went from bad to worse in terms of gang violence and stuff. So. In January, one of these Mexico trips happened, 
Uh, and so this is it. so we went three or four times in freshman year 2007. That's when I was there. And then 2008 was the second semester of freshman year, early 2008. During one of these college nights where everyone's bust down, there's a bunch of college students, uh, some Mexican uh, gang members kick open the back French doors of one of the clubs and throw three severed heads onto the dance floor. Pretty fun of the time, though. I got it. <laughs> All right, you guys are fun. I was Connor. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> and we're back at the Blackout Diaries. Sean Bear Flattery with C.J. Sullivan, and that was the hilarious Connor Cawley that you just heard from, and we have him here in studio. Connor, thank you for joining us. Ah, uh, my pleasure, guys. It's great to be on with you guys. Yeah, you're not the caller. <laughs> You are the callee. I'm the callee. That's right. <laughs> I love that. A contract that only exists in the sports radio ecosystem, yeah. but it's an important relationship. First time callee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, nope, you got you to gotta come up with something. I've had a lot of weird. I've had Crowley. Nope. I don't know where they get the R, but it I don't sticks. Heard. Yeah, yeah no, it, it works. Sticks. You remember. Everyone remember. remembers. Absolutely going to remember that. <laughs> I, and I, you know, Connor, I really uh, appreciate that because so often, you know, as the host of the Blackout Diaries, I'm terrible with names. CJ mm-hmm. always makes That's fun of me. That's why I make you bring thing. us back, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get a lot of people's, like, their mnemonic devices that they tell me. And it almost, I'm like, that is more confusing than the name itself. So I appreciate that <laughs> right. you had one that was really yeah. easy to grasp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's quick because you got to be fast. Otherwise, it's going to be lost to the ether and you'll never remember it. There is, I mean, there's a couple of guys, like, before we get to the interview, we'll veer off. But since we're talking about these names, like, I'll remember, like, for my life, like, I went to grade school with them. You know, and they would like, and they would like do it. It's like they're doing a little pitch for their name. One buddy was like, <laughs> one buddy, well, the one who I'm still friends with now is Hunjinski. He would go, you know, Hun, and he'd like he grab a girl, Jen, ski, and like do it, like and, like act it out, you know, like drink the gin and then he skis. There was another one that they were just acting out, like it was like Trapasso. It was like trap. Your ass, oh, for Trapasso. <laughs> like I haven't talked to this kid like in thirty years, but I'll remember that name forever. That's oh, fantastic. Man. That's funny. Um, well, Connor, you've done the the live show uh, a few times. That was the first time I heard that story that the audience uh, just heard the Mexico one. That that is crazy, mm. dude. That is such a funny story. Oh, and harrowing and harrowing. I've told it a lot of times, so I can. I, I've definitely removed myself. From the fear of it, but yeah. at the time, as an eighteen-year-old kid, sure, being potentially arrested in Mexico, there's definitely moments of like, oh, like if I can't get somebody on the phone with sixty dollars, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and Tijuana definitely has that lore of it, you know, especially when, when you're eighteen. It's, it's definitely full on Tijuana then, because I go, I go there now. I live in Los Angeles, and it's, it's, and you know, as long as you stay on the main area and streets, you'll be okay. But if you veer off, you know, it becomes Tijuana pretty quickly. And if you're 18, then, I mean, I can imagine like you're kind of like a, not of a target, but you, you know, more of an attract, more of a magnet, I guess, an 18 year old callie yeah. going around. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think these trips were at least on a certain extent like, oh, like this is like. Uh, Bait. I think you put it perfectly. Like this is like this is too easy. We've got right. we've got fifty to sixty uh, college kids coming over 
fresh out of Iowa because it's a bunch of college trips and yeah. it's first semester. So no one really knows what's going on. So it was uh, it was it was harrowing, to say the least. Yeah. I don't think- and they're uh, like, just you know, uh, to continue the callee thing, uh, being a bribee for the first time, <laughs> these people from the Midwest, they don't right. know how to deal with like Mexican cops, probably. Well, right? I got the lowdown. I got somebody told me they're like, hey, like just bring a bunch of cash because this bribing that I wouldn't have honestly wouldn't have thought to do it mm-hmm. in the moment mm-hmm. unless my friend had that earlier that day. Say, hey, leave your debit cards, bring a bunch of cash. You might have to bribe somebody. I was like, all right, cool. And then the only way I knew how to bribe somebody was from movies. Was how much to make this go away. That yeah. was all I had. And tipping and bribing is a fine line in Mexico too, because <laughs> you can you, yeah. know, you give out like five dollar bills, a dollar bills. I mean, it's like giving out hundreds down there, you know. And you go crazy like this. Is, you feel you feel amazing, you know. Like oh, I just you know give me a beer, give me a beer, a taco, and here's a five. You keep it, and they they love you for it, you know. And you're like this is great. And uh-huh. Then you realize oh they want more. Oh, this is, yeah. uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting out of that, here. Or I'm locked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was part of the reason why I ended up with no money mm-hmm. was because I literally, I came with like $120. Cash. I specifically remember that amount being like, oh, I'm getting 620s. And I was like, I'm going to use this if I need it. And then someone told me that the, the bar was so crowded, but they had these girls walking around with drinks. And someone said, like, if you tip them, they'll come back to you a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I gave one of them a 20. Yeah, you don't do that. But then when I needed a drink, I needed another. <laughs> so I just, like, kept tipping $20 bills. Yeah, you don't even until, bring, you don't even bring like, 20s oh. across the border. Yeah, I don't even know. That's the dumbest thing. I was, like, I was like, yeah, just walk over by that guy. He's throwing 20s at people for some reason. He doesn't understand well, the betting, tipping yeah, situation. It's great. When we go when we go down there, it's funny. We we like get rolls of fives, and it's like hard to yeah. even find fives anymore. It's like a two dollar bill at this yeah. point. You yeah. go to the back of forty uh, fives, please. You hand over two hundred dollar bills. <laughs> and Connor, you were saying at our live show, um, this wasn't even like an official school visit or anything. Like, no. remind me how this got set up and canceled, because I remember you told me how it also got canceled, which is a crazy story. Yeah. So but how was it, it got set up? It got started, as far as I know, it was like a guy that went to the school, likely a business major, and he was like, oh, there's this, there's a parking lot across the street from school. I'll just have kids come and meet me there, and I'll organize this college night with clubs down in Tijuana where they have nights where it's just college students from specific schools. So you're going to school. So it's so like you're going, and it's like a mixer event, but at a club in Tijuana where you can legally drink. And so they would organize and they would bus kids down three or they have three or four big coach buses. They bus between, I don't know, 50 to 150 college students. Then the bus wouldn't take you to the club. The bus would just drop you at the border. And then you would <laughs> yeah. find you would find your way to the club, which was close because you could just tell the, the cabs. But there were like a lot of like even my wife. I went to college with my wife. We, we didn't date until after college. But my, my wife will tell the story of like I got in a cab that didn't have handles on the inside mm-hmm. i was like nope that's not the one we're gonna move. Right. we're gonna go on we're gonna try a different cab we're gonna lift this one uh and so yeah they would just do that and i think they did it yeah they did it six or seven times uh first semester in 2007 so and then second semester was january 2008 and that was like when all the el chapo stuff happened and things went from tijuana to tijuana extra and I think it was like the second or third one of the year. Uh, it was for a different school. It was for, I think it was UCSD instead of uh, USD where I went. And 
like someone kicked in the back doors of the club while during one of these college nights and threw three severed heads onto the dance floor. What? And after that, after that, we're like, all right, we're uh, we're not going to do this anymore. What? This is this is we're not going to traffic people into Mexico for these, yeah. For these partying. clubs, these clubs are really different down here. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, this amazing. Was, this was a long time ago. <laughs> are you from out there in san diego by the way no i'm from here i kind of someone just someone gave me the idea that like you know you can go to college anywhere and no, i was like it's, it's a great idea for sure. yeah i'm gonna go to san diego I, and I never realized how close san diego and tijuana were i was just gonna yes. say that that's why i brought it up because when i came out you're, you're shocked at how not only close it is it's like 20 minutes and then how easy it is to get in. You know, yes. If you take yeah. the wrong exit, you're like, next thing you know, you're in Mexico. That's, yeah, Chula. Like, you, you take know, that wrong Chula and you're like, oh, you're that's right. the border. I'm going to well, be here for that happened. Then you four realize hours. How, yeah, then you realize how quickly how hard it is to get back. Yeah. But, but yeah, getting there is no problem. It's like an open yeah, toll really, road, you know? Yeah, no, that was the thing. I was, yeah, they like share a TV state. I kind of pictured it as like Chicago, Milwaukee, where it's like, uh, it's close, but it's still like a, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending right. on where you start. Yeah, but no, like, it's, no, it's they are they share borders. There's no burbs in between. Like it is. Yeah, they are. People park like they're going to the you know like they're, like they're, like they're going to the like the picnic for the day. Like oh, we'll yeah. leave our cars here. We'll walk across. You know, we'll go get uh, four hundred dollars. Just a day, of, just a day f- in Tijuana. Yeah, four hundred dollars <laughs> worth of pharmacy pills and uh, yeah. <laughs> get some painkillers and. Uh, you know, illegally smuggle them back. Was there any debate after um, three severed heads were thrown onto the dance floor in a uh, ganglord mex, you know, massacre? Was there any debate like, well, we could still keep doing this, or was it just <laughs> like, did everybody agree? Well, the time before that, it was two heads, and the time before that, it was one head. So they were like, well, we should probably. I was just gonna say the three heads is kind of some. It almost seems more symbolic than anything. Like, is this is this a, a religious thing, or is there a tradition going on here? Like we're welcoming you. This is how we welcome you to Tijuana. This is right. a, an offering. <laughs> it's definitely it would take me a long time to to register. This is real. Mm-hmm. I think if that happened in the middle of a bar, you know, oh, yeah. like that, like, yeah, I would have a hard time, uh, I think, understanding what's actually going on. It's like, wow, they got that corn syrup thing down. That looks so real. That looks real. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that would, not, that would not be my first reaction to be like, yeah, those are obviously heads. Were they in bags? I always like it they, when, they, like, just... I don't know. So that's, I mean, it's a lore. This is more lore because I wasn't okay. at this one. Mm-hmm. So I've heard through the grave, I was, the schools talked to each other and I had heard this. I don't know if it's, hundred percent true. I'll be the first to admit, but I have. I do I've love whenever no, a young. Yeah. I, I just love whenever a young business person is like, "Why doesn't this product exist?" You know, and <laughs> right. it's like d- doesn't occur to him. Oh well, maybe the liability costs of actually doing this like are off the charts of just taking seventy kids and dropping them at the border and leaving. You know? It's like what? What's the worst that could happen? Like literally everything. Everything. I can't picture something that wouldn't go wrong here. <laughs> I imagine they, I mean, yeah, that guy had to have been smuggling something back in school buses. He's like, who's going to check school buses? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I bet if you check those seats in there, you had, you were probably moving maybe the most amount of cocaine in the early 2000s. Yeah. Okay, he took a quantity over quality approach to smuggling across the border. Like, can't get yeah. them all. And you're all dr- you're all right. you're all drunk teenagers, so yeah. nobody wants to talk to you on yeah. the way back. Like, just let them through. These uh-huh. guys, you know. <laughs> I don't care what's in there. I don't. I don't you want to deal? You want to be in the next eight hours with these assholes? <laughs> <laughs> that was before you needed a passport to get back too. Right. So we were just we were just getting back yeah. with our licenses. A buddy of mine forgot his license, but he was like a very um 
like point break uh blonde hair guy from san diego and there mm-hmm. was like just just I mean, there were like 12 of us was like you just come through come on i'm not <laughs> you know, <laughs> i was like wow I, I really don't care <laughs> all right well, let me get your name yeah your name is brody go on through if you're yeah. a brody at a free pass <laughs> tanner is this tanner tanner you can go you can keep moving <laughs> well that's so funny connor uh we we have a couple minutes and i think this this is going to air before christmas time you also told another story at the live show that i i loved if uh, i could put you on the spot real quickly um what was the story for how your little sister got your other brother caught uh for underage drinking uh, oh yeah, <laughs> well yeah, no, yeah. Somebody else at the show told. Well, I think I, I might even Lauren. I think Vino, it was but, Lauren. Vino, yeah, Lauren yeah. Vino told a story about uh, her about kind of being a narc to her brother, and reminded me of a time in Christmas. My parents get really into Christmas, and they did like a scavenger hunt around the house, and they had set up clues uh, for places for all of us to go individually. And one of them was on the door to the crawl space, which my brothers. Uh, we were all pretty big partiers in high school, and I had the had the good thought to always throw beer cans out of the house so our parents wouldn't find them. My brothers mm-hmm. instead took the took the strategy of throwing them under the crawl space mm-hmm. and just assuming my parents would never open that door. <laughs> and uh, my, my and for years, literal years, yeah. it worked. <laughs> and then my sister comes across this uh, scavenger hunt clue that is on the door of the crawl space, and so she, not thinking that it's pointing somewhere else thinks it's pointing to open the crawl space opens it and then shows my parents and goes like you got us a bunch of beer (laughs) and then my brother was grounded (laughs) that's quick on the feet so my sister even before she knew she was an arc Oh man, that's great. I like the confidence of having because I feel like like uh you know you start hiding lots of different things when you have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like um like I would be real careful be doing this before doing a scavenger house in my yeah. my house. I would I would really have to think of everything I've hidden over the years, you know, and so so on. It's almost like revealing your internet history or something like that. I'm like, I don't know what's in what, what's right. in these different corners, you know. These these nooks and crannies of my house. Like what have I well, left? I also what have, find I, what have I been blackout stuff? drunk and left? Yeah, or or I like um, you know, like the kids will sneak desserts, so yeah. like I'll hide them so that there'll be leftovers for the next day. But then I'm like a squirrel with nuts where I forget it. Mm-hmm. So then, like I'm just randomly cleaning, and I see like a German chocolate, half a German chocolate cake from, like, two years ago. You know, mushrooms growing out the top of it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember an age when uh, our parents like stopped hiding gifts, you know, cause they were, mm-hmm. cause they would forget where they put them. They're like, fuck it. Just, yeah. It's just going out. It's, it's, it's going under the tree. It's going to be right there. If you want to look through it, look through it. But I don't know. I'm finding, you know, Legos from eight years ago and like some addicts and shit. Every, every Christmas there's either my mom or my dad frantically looking around the house. Like, wait, I got something else, but I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, no <laughs> looking cool under words. rugs. <laughs> Santa, Santa, yeah. Santa's been drinking lately. Santa has, <laughs> Santa's. I hit this after a few eggnogs. Yeah, I don't know. Where Santa's getting up be. there. <laughs> Santa doesn't remember what he had for breakfast, to be honest with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Cotter, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, as always, hilarious. Um, before you leave, I know you uh, you co-produce the Don't Tell comedy shows here in Chicago. What are some yep. other ways our listeners can either see you live or follow you online? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Don't Tell Chicago is uh, my most frequent one. I'm hosting that uh, pretty much weekly. And uh, I'm also uh, recording my album or uh, special 
uh, on February 17th at the Joinery. It's a wedding venue in Bucktown, favorite don't tell venue. Yeah. Um, you can check out my website, countercolly.com to get tickets. Um, they're on Eventbrite. So you can just bother me. I've got a hundred of QR codes that you can scan to get it. So uh, yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Connor. Absolutely. My pleasure, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, Blackout Diary is one of my favorite shows. And can't wait for 20 more years or however long you guys have been going. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Great callie, caller. Caller, caller. <laughs> Got to call everybody. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right, we're back in the Blackout Diaries. That was hilarious. Connor Cawley with a uh, <laughs> full-on bribe Mexican cartel story, uh, story and interview. Uh, incredible. Yeah, so funny. Um, we were talking about, Sean, before that, though, the uh, the Olympic stuff, which was great. Oh, yeah. The official sport of bribing. Mm-hmm. It and really I, is. I, I actually was uh, – in one. I, I was so glad – I don't know if you brought up the Olympics or me. Maybe it was already on my head or maybe you brought it up and I was glad you brought it up. But because um, I was watching a little bit of Olympic prep, you, you know how they always have like these finals and random countries like once mm-hmm. a year and that's how right. you qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. So this is a great indication of how much the Chicago Bears suck right now and how okay. pissed the city is, you know, because not only do they suck, they're announcing they're going to go out to the burbs and Chicagoans just are, are kind of breaking up with the bears now, uh-huh. which is already like kind of funny. Cause like the way they talk about it, it's almost like an alcoholic who quit drinking. Like, yeah, hey, you know, uh, I'm just happier. Uh, I find <laughs> yeah, more, you know, amazing. I got my Sundays back. Uh, it's like having an extra day of the week. You know, I'm yeah, talking to my wife better. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm not snapping. <laughs> I'm interested in my kid's homework. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So last night at this neighborhood bar, the Bears were on Monday night football last night. The intra-division game against the Vikings. You know, so yep. normally a big deal, right? Half the TVs have a live ice skating competition from Japan. <laughs> As like a protest? <laughs> I don't know, but people were into it, dude. Like, like right. they, And I don't know if I walked into like an ice skating bar randomly or it was just the bartender and then everyone was like, well, I'd rather watch that. Because you could tell some of these guys didn't know ice skating because like they're saying irrational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that definitely seems like something that was on. The bartender puts on like out of like, that seems like a Chicago attitude. I'd rather watch you know, put ice skating on. I'd rather watch these girls skating around. It's the same thing. But then you get into it. Yeah, of course you get into it. You know, because you're like, oh, they were robbed. You know, that should have been something, you know. <laughs> so they had that on, and imagine they had the Bears on a few other TVs. The, so you... it was about half and half. Half of them, okay. I, I mean, so this is a bar with like 10 TVs. Half have yeah. Japanese um, ice skating on. <laughs> okay. And and then they're just playing random music, like like, right. like mood music. And I'm like, oh, like how? on the audio? Yeah. That, so <laughs> you're not even problem. listening to the Bears game, you know? And I'm like, how far has, has this NFL team fallen yeah. that they can't even get on the majority of TVs at a fucking bar? <laughs> and it wasn't well, it like I was mi- at like some sort of like really nerdy bar or anything right. like that. No, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a sports bar. But that, that's, that's an aggressively angered at the Bears bar, which they are now. <laughs> which is funny because some of the reactions last night, because they, they actually won. Won, but they didn't score a touchdown. It was like the first time it's happened like in 30 years. Like a team has won without scoring <laughs> yeah. a touchdown, or the Bears yeah. won without scoring a touchdown. So they ruined a draft pick, and they got the one, and they were terrible to watch. <laughs> like everything about it was like it was like a, a yeah. rough thing. But they were like, we can't even do this right. You know, it's just, it was just pretty, pretty amazing. But like, uh, yeah, I love that figure skating protest. That's incredible. It's hilarious, and you know, and uh, you know, just to bring it back. Uh, 
to corruption, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Chicago has always been obviously uh, not only a very corrupt city, but a, a great city to drink in. Yeah. Um, for sure. Oh, real quick, but also figure skating is also just. It's a side note. Figure skating is has a hilarious corruption. Uh, oh, I could, how, how so? Is it like to get like the best coaches or the, the judges? Oh, the judges. the judges. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, like, don't yeah, they always? The judges always have to go into hiding. Like, like, like right, after the results come yeah. out. Like, yeah, it's always, that like, is true. From, one representing each country, you know, so they always accuse the Russian of taking bribes, you know. <laughs> it's like, and it is. Well, and it's just open because they'll even say it. Like the announcers will be like, "Well, I mean, it's a it's a perfect thing, but we'll see what the Russian gives her because." <laughs> I mean, I know, and they're always like, see, like at a restaurant, like 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 they're real city judges or something, like Supreme Court judges, but they're figure skating judges, you know, taking bribes. Did you ever hear real quickly about that one rich lady? This is also ties in with corruption. I mean, everything with the Olympics does, but um, that one terrible rich snowboard lady that qualified for the Olympics. Did you ever see that video or hear that yeah, story? Yeah, she just she just goes up and down the ramp. She just goes up and down. It looks like like a grandma that you put out telling her you'll have fun. You know, just don't fall. Yep. And I guess the way it happened is, you know, we were sort of talking about this, but the way you qualify is you you have to place in a certain amount of prescribed right. events. But every now and again two events will coincide and one is a more prestigious bigger event so the better athletes want to go to that sure and what she did is she would always go to the secondary one <laughs> that nobody wanted to go to <laughs> and she was rich enough that she could afford to like go across yeah, the globe that was and do thing. all this she, did, she could just fund year-round <laughs> snowboarding tournaments that no one went to that people would only go regionally but she tore around the world to get it just to qualify for the olympics and then she <laughs> got in there and she's just awful which is amazing because you think she did so many of these tournaments she'd try to get you know somewhat good at it her bed but she is just tr- she's going down to like i mean granted these are olympic size half pipes yeah. you know or whatever they are and she's going down and like just not terrified but she's like okay let me just not fall it's going down like you said like you're doing like the yeah. like the pie formation doing the s formation yeah. of like a beginner level skier and it's I, so funny i've only seen the video but never heard the audio and i've always just hoped that like the announcers are like this is a disgrace <laughs> 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 to the integrity of snowboarding <laughs> i love when they when people get duped like online like broadcasts love like it. online you know love like it. okay like they, they just probably read about it. here she is from norway you know whatever <laughs> and they go down her stats and then you say oh okay this is something else here this is something is definitely up there's that uh there's that they just made a documentary about it actually on HBO about that uh, high school football team. Did you see that who like conned their way into playing on ESPN, playing against a nationally? Oh yeah, team? that was hilarious. It turned out the school didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that was it didn't hilarious. Exist. They just got kids. They lost like a hundred to nothing or something. <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> like they wrecked them like a number five in the country or whatever. And then like immediately they announced just like, okay, this is something different because <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to <laughs> we have to check these credentials better because. <laughs> That yeah, was great. These guys were like 24 years old, whatever, but they're just like on the street. Yeah, <laughs> it was all like, I love, and this still dovetails with our, our theme of corruption, but I, I love that. Like, I have a buddy, I don't know if you ever met him, Phil. Uh, he used to help out at the Black House, great guy. Uh, he was working on a documentary. Do you remember that high school um, football coach? that faked his own murder right before halftime to try and motivate a <laughs> team. It happened yeah. in Illinois. He had one of the... Pl- <laughs> 
he had one of the students come up with a gun and shoot him. And then he dies. And as he's going into the, like, so then this fake ambulance comes. It's all, all right. fake. And they're yeah. like, like, oh, you know, don't die on us. And he just goes, he turns to everyone. He's like, win this for me. And then he falls over and dies. And the EMS goes, he's gone. <laughs> and they put him away and just drive away. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. For what? A what are a big regular clip. season game too, or something like that? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> That's a great way to go out. Um, I'm sure they didn't even play the rest of the game. That's that's what he. That's what he. Uh, he oh, and that's the other thing. I think they the lost. Game. I think they lost because, of course, they're high school kids who just think they saw their right. coach die. It's traumatized. The NFL didn't play the rest of the game when Demar Hamlin had a heart attack. They're not gonna, <laughs> they're not gonna <laughs> play their best or, ball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. And they just saw a student they know murder somebody. On top of that, <laughs> like, not only did you see a man die, you're like, holy Christ, Fred's a murderer. You know. <laughs> I guess the other thing that made it like real bad because apparently originally they weren't going to fire him, and, yeah. and like like all the parents were like, "What? Are you serious? Like, do you see how unethical this is?" Right. And then he also had the students only black student shoot him. So then they're like, then they're yeah, like, come on, now you gotta fire, you know? And then and because then, you know they were a Catholic school, they're like, well, you know, uh, uh, that's hilarious. we can do whatever we want. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we both know how Catholic schools are, but uh, right. they eventually had to fire him. He does. I mean, if, if it shows how he loves his job, loves his kids. <laughs> I mean, it had to that's, cost a pretty penny. Rent an ambulance, EMS sure. costumes, starter gun. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, he went out. I gotta, I gotta love the commitment. And the kid who shot him, I'm sure he got paid a little bit out. Well, but probably not, though. That is hilarious. We're having the only black kids. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's a believable story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And anyway, more. Go ahead. <laughs> but thinking of, uh, just to tie it back with Chicago corruption, uh, yeah. in terms of uh, other maybe, I don't know if the, I would call this a poorly hatched plan, but uh, mm. chaotic plans. One of my favorite stories, um, Maddie Ryan and I would used to like, talk about this forever i have you ever heard of the first ward ball cj which was a legendary uh bacchanalia that yeah. they had in chicago at the turn of the 20th century and it was created by these two corrupt actually some historians feel they are the most corrupt u.s politicians of all time like mm -hmm. at any level they're called it's hinky dink and bathhouse john were these two aldermen for basically the early loop which was all Hinky taverns. Dink and Bathhouse John. <laughs> yeah. they, they were. <laughs> Hinky Dink was apparently the smart one who would hatch all the plans, and yeah. Bathhouse John was just a fun time that everyone sure. likes to hang out with. I mean, you don't get a name like Bathhouse John for being a uh, <laughs> in the paperwork. <laughs> um, but yeah, they threw this giant party called the uh, First Ward Ball. And uh, it was just this huge, like people were always trying to shut it down. Like, like all they would make all the taverns pay into the pot, or you would be shut down. Like, so this is like like one of the ways they would grift. But they would be like, well, you're getting a good party out of it. And apparently, it was it was so crazy that like uh, preachers would bomb it to try and shut it down because they thought okay. it would it, it it reached like it was a sign of moral decay in this city. Sure, yeah. And they would just keep the party going, yeah, even though know, a bomb just, just went out. <laughs> yeah, that just enhances the party. The church is trying to bomb us. That's going to be, it's, how exciting is that? <laughs> Here we go. In its 12th year, 1908, the now giant ball was moved to the Chicago Coliseum to fit a crowd of at least 20,000. 
religious reformers who thought the ball was an already corrupt was already corrupting the use of the city uh, bombed it the night before. And then I think they have a really good quote about that. Um, uh, but yeah, they said um, the yeah, the event went on in the middle of January with no windows. <laughs> <laughs> and an additional 7,000 people showed up unexpectedly and partied. So it actually got bigger off the bombing. Yeah, hey, we just wanted, we heard the noise. What's going on over here? <laughs> oh, that's just Cardinal John trying to try to bomb our party again. What wonder what it, a, a bomb back then was even made of. Oh, I know. And then I guess like the Tribune tried to scare respectable people from attending and they the tribune promised the day before they would print the name of all respectable persons that attended to sh- publicly oh. shame them this right. is what the tribune printed the next day we didn't find it necessary to pr- pr- print a list of respectable persons our reporters had discovered only 10 and then there was some debates as to whether those 10 even deserved the title respectable <laughs> <laughs> A lot of them were our writers themselves who we told who went to cover it. I imagine Bathhouse John can uh, is um, is good at covering names up of people that attend to his parties. Oh, sure. You know what I mean, like that. But I love that duo of the one guy, the one guy who's a party and the one guy who's kind of like semi-serious. It's always out. You're, you're Dave, like I always say, Dave and Buster are right, Dave. <laughs> you, you need know. it. You need right. it to run a, a good bar, a good corrupt organization. You mm-hmm. need a personable face of the business that everybody's going to have a good time with, you, you know, right. and, and keep Absolutely. the party going. But you need somebody to manage the numbers. And very rarely is that the same person. Yeah. Dave handles the restaurant. Buster is the arcade, you know, and then they come together. <laughs> You have to have each your vision and together it makes it perfect. That's amazing. When did that party stop, the first ward party? Uh, well, a um, a Chicago madam called French Annie mm-hmm. uh, stabbed her her date with a hat pen and killed him and <laughs> <laughs> during a parade. During a parade. So, like, um, Bathhouse John would always lead, like, this giant parade in, like, a pink um, leather suit. And yep. during the parade, a madam killed her date, and that was the the final year. Um, <laughs> the, the quote, they weren't able to, like, go, the next year, no no venue would allow them. They're like, we, right. I mean, you guys are fucking, mur- you're straight up murdering people. <laughs> I mean, like, like you're, you're ignoring bombings, you're straight up murdering people. And I do love, this is one of my favorite headlines of all time. This is from the Chicago uh, Tribune about a month before the 19 event was scheduled, which ended up canceling, so 1908 was last. The headline was Orgy Strikes Legal Snag. <laughs> Chicago's favorite orgy. <laughs> it's got, apparently had a few code violations. <laughs> but I love that open corruption that they yeah. uh, that you used to have. I don't know. Like, there's some people who debate, you know, um, I can't remember her name. I just, uh, a couple years ago, I read this pretty fascinating book. Um, from this uh, Chinese political exile. So she lives in America now. She's mm-hmm. from China. Um, I'll, I'll look, I'll, I'll find the book and then I'll, I'll, I'll put it uh, on, a, on the link with the podcast. But anyhow, um, so she talks about all the corruption of the Chinese government. And then in every, but the, the point of her book is like often missed on reporters and like, well, are you happy to be in a country that doesn't have that corruption? She goes, 
oh, America's just as corrupt. They've just so normalized it that it doesn't <laughs> seem like corruption. Right. I mean, with like campaign <laughs> donations and yeah. like the way uh, Harvard endowments work and the way rich people, you know, she's like, it, it's every bit as corrupt. You're just mm-hmm. not like in your room in Mexico exchanging cash. It's just all being mailed, you know, and it's all part of the economy, but it's all there. Mm. <laughs> there I mean, there's something to be said for just like the bras and honesty yeah. of how it used to be. Absolutely. It's so funny. And I, I, like, when, I like when like uh, you're telling a story for when you're like, oh, not when you say no to it for a second, like, like just to play the game. Like, yeah, yeah. no, no, I get it. I get it. But seriously, what, what, what are we really going to do here? Like, <laughs> I think, well, speaking of Mexico from uh, uh, Connor's story. Everything is up for negotiation, even if it's not like yeah. you know, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, bribery. But like, like uh, the of, price of everything is negotiable there. I mean, yeah, it's kind of great. Yeah, and even like the pharmacies, the pharmacies, as yeah. they say down there, because a lot of Americans, you know, you go down there because it's it's just open policy and get whatever mm-hmm. you want. I remember I was like, uh, they they. They don't understand like what you like. They sort of know what Americans want, you know. Like they like, like, so like here's some steroids. That's what American, you know. You like they think that's like a party drug, you know, because because Americans go down there and buy it and bring it back, you know. Like yeah. no, it's not really what I want. Like okay, you tell me, you know. They're basically like you tell me. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was looking for this one painkiller and I was trying to write it out. She woke, she pulled out this big like book, old medical book, you know. Like if you could like find it in there, and then she says like these, they have like what's on the shelves, and then they have like these shoe boxes like underneath of like. Okay. Do you see what you want in here? You know, rummaging through, and then eventually she just like it was just, it was just, she's a pharmacist, legit pharmacist with the gear on. She she just opens up her gate, and she invites me to come back here if you find it because we were having a little language discrepancy. Like, take take a look around, browse, see if you come up with it. And I found I found something with like with like X's over the yeah. eyes. I'm like, I think this might be it. And then we just like literally just negotiated a price, cash in hand for it. I mean, now what I love about that is every an American would say, Oh my God, can you believe like how corrupt that is but like yeah. we, we're the same way we just do that with our doctor i mean we now right. go to our doctor and we're like i need you to prescribe this and they're like okay well i'm not going to ask any questions here you yeah, are absolutely and, uh, right. in 48 this, hours that'll be ready you know <laughs> yeah this eliminates all the middlemen i feel better about that transaction because at least it's going to them you know mm-hmm. But when she just invited me to go back there, it was hilarious. <laughs> like, like, imagine like being back there at a CVS pharmacy or something, like a Rite Aid pharmacy, like perusing the fucking aisles. People go to school for like eight years to do that job. <laughs> oh, man. That's absolutely hilarious. Question. Yeah. Well, CJ, we should probably uh, think about wrapping this up. Yeah, let's um, wrap it up here. That was good. Uh, we're going to the Blackout Diaries, of course, on Friday. Um, live show. Yep. Every 10 p.m. Every Friday. We have uh, expecting a big crowd this week. Uh, well, this will probably be posted afterwards. I was going to tell, uh, regardless of what week it is, buy your tickets yeah. in advance uh, because it's uh, been teetering on a sellout the last few weeks. So uh, nice. come 10 p.m. every Friday at the Lincoln Lodge. Uh, you can also get my book, Places I Can't Return To, at SeanBearFlannery.com. What do you got going on there, CJ? Uh, well, that's like I said, I'm... By the time this airs, my dates will be gone, so mm-hmm. I won't even say that. But I am going to Dallas this weekend. Um, 
Uh, just follow me on Instagram, CJ Sullivan was taken, not like Liam Neeson, and follow my uh, other podcast, The Bottom Line Bombs, Man in a Box, on the SGPN. Speaking of sports, it's my sports game one, um, and a live show to Blackout Diaries. You do, you had a good friend of ours, Paul Thomas, on the show recently. Yes. We got we got to have him come on here. We'll definitely have him on an mm-hmm. episode here on the podcast. And he told a long sports story. He, he told, <laughs> so he kind of misjudged the time. So he, he, he was, it, 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 it was too long in the tooth, uh, for sure. But the story itself is hilarious. And he- Used to work at ESPN pre-internet, uh-huh. so this is like in the 90, early 1990s, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was saying, you know, like back then when you would see the ticker at the bottom, like uh, UCLA 24, Alabama 14. Sure. He's like, what? What was actually happening is ESPN. Uh, I would do it on Saturdays because they pay you time and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, just has a bank of young guys in a phone booth, a phone bank, and they're calling the press box. At UCLA going, hey, Sean Flannery, ESPN, I need the UCLA, Alabama score and any major stats. And then uh, they go, okay, well, this is the score. Um, So, like, it was all done over phone calls. And I guess they hated this one coworker of theirs. Uh So, Paul, they decide to do this prank where they tell him these two division three teams are playing each other. And normally you wouldn't call that, but like every now and again, the press will call ESPN and saying like, you need to start getting highlights or uh, check in on this because they decided to say he was going to break the all. I think the name of this player was something was was Jesus Taco that they made up and he was about to break the all time rushing record. (laughs) Record, right. So now this employee has to call Paul's uh, apartment. He's calling Paul's apartment and Paul's got like background crowd noise and everything. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) And he's he's just making up all these plays and um, he's making up all these crazy names. And I guess it gets on air at ESPN and like this guy almost gets fired. Jesus Taco does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm rushing for 500 yards for like Mount Union <laughs> in Ohio oh, or something man. like that. Um, but the names uh, he's got, he actually recorded it from the 1990s. And he's, yeah. he, you actually hear the guy from ESPN calling and then Paul making up all these, like he made like a weird quarterback name. He said at one point he made up that the dude broke the record, but then he ran backwards <laughs> <laughs> and lost it. yardage. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, it was man, pretty I good. Paul. I love Paul. We got to get him yeah. on the show for soon enough. But uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this week's Blackout Thighs. Make sure to give us a five-star review or rate. What? Yeah, five yep. stars, good review, bad review, doesn't matter. Tell 50,000. Just put the five time. stars on the board Yeah, and tell 50,000 <laughs> people. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's Blackout Thighs.